You are listening to a sermon preached at Still Bay Baptist Church in Still Bay, South Africa. For more information, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you be blessed in listening to God's Word today. Good morning everyone. It's lovely to see you all. Um, Today, we are going to be looking in James, as you can see. In James 4, feel free to open to your Bible so long. And James is a very interesting book where the church has just exploded out of Jerusalem. Um, The persecution intensified and everyone just spread out throughout the known empire, um, or the whole known world, and enter what James calls the dispersion. And James writes this, this book to them, these Christians scattered all over the place, and he's instructing them, he's correcting them. Because, strangely enough, Christians don't just become perfect the moment they're saved. Um, Alas, we are given new life, yes. We are born again, yes. But uh, there's there's still that old self clinging to the reins. There's still that struggle, the need to put off the old ways and put on the new. And so today we're looking at this idea of humbling ourselves under God and finding the strength to actually do that. And so we'll be reading in James 4, but before we do that, let's just pray. Father, as we come to your word, please prepare our hearts and prepare our minds to receive that which you have to say. And as we look at this this privilege of humbling ourselves before you, the almighty God, the creator of the universe, thank you that we get to do this. Thank you that in you, There is strength to fight the battle. Thank you for the incredible hope we have in you. So please speak to us this morning, and we ask all this in your precious name. Amen. So James 4, verse 1 through to 10. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, and so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says, He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And so I'm sure if each of us looks at our own lives honestly, we will see evidence of the old ways, the old self. And here James specifically mentions fighting, quarreling. And there's a lot of conflict between brothers and sisters where the cause is that your passions are at war within you. You're still letting your desires and your selfish ways rule the way you live. And ultimately, you're living your life saying that I want this thing. 
Why are you interfering with my business? Well, how come you've got that? That's unfair. Give it to me. And the problem is, if everyone lives like this, no one is actually satisfied. Because if my world revolves around me, no one else is living with their world revolving around me. They're all, their worlds all revolve around them. And so it just ends up with conflict. And so we see that living in these fleshly desires, in these passions, it'll only cause trouble. And our relationships with others is one area where we see this trouble. And the problem isn't going to be fixed by, oh God, you must just make them see that I'm actually right. I must just convince them that really my way is best. No. The problem is, I'm living for me. I'm not living for God. God isn't at the center now. There's another idol that I have raised up, and that idol is me. And even he mentions your prayers that are hindered. If I am asking God for things focused only on me, on my desires and what I want, I'm essentially asking God to come and please worship me. Is it any wonder that verse 4 comes? You adulterous people. It's like you're married to one person and yet you go and you sleep with another. That's the level of this, this terrible thing that is happening. That's how seriously God is taking this conflict between the brothers and sisters in Christ, or rather the cause for this conflict. It's not some small, unimportant thing. It's showing that there's a big problem, that God is not ruling your life. You are. But God has saved you. You've been born again. You've entered into this marriage relationship with the King of Kings. The ring is on your finger. He's put his spirit in you. You're committed. After all, the adultery isn't necessarily literal adultery. It's speaking about unfaithfulness. Speaking about how instead of God at the center, you're putting yourself at the center. But remember, this isn't written to unbelievers. This, this letter, James, is written to Christians, people who have been saved, people who have been born again, those who have been bought by the blood of Christ and yet are still failing to completely live for Him, who are still falling short, who are still putting themselves on the throne. But how can we do that? How can We're called to be a faithful wife. We're called to honor our eternal husband. And we're called to put him at the center now, not just in eternity. But keep in mind, God isn't just some old man in the sky looking over us, wanting to spoil all our fun, and no, you mustn't do that even though it'll be good for you. No, no, no. This is a God who somehow sees us fully. He sees all of our brokenness, sees all of our sinfulness, and He still wants us. He still yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. He doesn't want to share us. He wants us. Despite how broken we are, despite how sinful we are, he reached out first. 
He offers salvation to everyone. Anyone can repent of their sins and accept this gift. But once we have accepted that gift, He doesn't just put us in the corner and forget about us. It's not that now, okay, cool, I've got you. Now I'm going to focus on all the people I haven't got in my kingdom yet. No, now you've entered a relationship with Him. He doesn't stop loving you and blindly turn away. Now, now the relationship starts. But first, you have to pick the side. No servant can serve two masters. You need to choose which God you're going to serve. Because ultimately, either you're a friend of God or you're a friend of the world. And if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. If you're putting yourself at the center, if you're pursuing your passions, you are putting your, yeah, you are serving yourself, you are making yourself a rebel against the king. And that way of life leads to eternal damnation because you're committing treason. But the good news is that if you accept this gift, your debt is paid and you enter this relationship, and even though, even though we still struggle, even though we still mess up, but He gives more grace. We need grace every day because we mess up every day. But if we are proud with ourselves at the center, we are opposing ourselves to God. We're living for ourselves, ignoring what he has to say. We know where that road leads. James has told us now. But if we are humble, if we are admitting, God, I need you, if we are coming to him in repentance every day, there is grace. There is strength to actually fight the battle. And so we get to verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And, I mean, the verse starts with submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And whenever there's a therefore, you must ask what it's there for. And so why, why, why is this one here? Well, he's saying, okay, I've just been, I've just been telling you, okay, you, we still mess up. We still need God. We need grace. You cannot live opposed to God. You need to make your choice. We need to react. It's a call to all Christians, brothers and sisters, to not remain stuck in the old path, not remain stuck in a rut. We're called to submit to God. Because after all, we have been bought at a price. God sent his own son to pay that price. And so he's, he saved us for himself. So we're called to submit. To surrender because this isn't just an old man in the sky this is the king of kings this is the creator of the universe who somehow wants us and somehow invites us to walk with him and so all that we all that we were all that we are and all that we hope to be needs to be surrendered to him all of our possessions, all of the things we have, ultimately, we're just stewards of for His sake. All that we do, we're doing for His honor and glory. 
Every single part of our lives needs to be surrendered to this King of Kings. Because there is a true North Pole. There's a true center of the universe, and that is God. And if your whole life is pointing to that, if you choose to not have God as the King, but my King, then what is the promise? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's hope. There's, there's a way to win. But maybe not everyone here has made this step. Maybe not everyone here actually has chosen to accept the gift that God offers. Because, and to, to that person, I'm saying, great, I'm so glad you're here. But I want you to realize that, just like me, I, I mean, I fall short on my own. So do you. God's standard is perfection. Not, not, I can't live up to that standard. I'm not good enough. But the good news is that God made a way so I don't have to. So I get Jesus' righteousness. He takes my sin. But <laughs> you have to actually accept that gift. And once you do, you are His. He is yours. You get to be adopted as a child of God you get an eternal inheritance with him. It's a fantastic life that starts now. But you have to make that step. But to my brothers and sisters in Christ who have made that step, you also need to come and submit. You need to come before the God of the universe and say, okay, the throne of my heart is yours as well. You need to surrender all those areas where you've been putting things other than God first and give it to Him. And if you do this, as I mentioned, the devil will flee from you. It's not my words, it's James' words. There is actually hope to win. And by win, I don't mean become perfect. I mean those battles you face, those temptations of lust, of fear, of anger, of covetousness. There's a way to be a victorious Christian. There's a way to be an overcomer. But it's only possible to do this if all that you have and all that you are is submitted to God. And so this victory that I want to invite you to step into, even as God has invited me to step into it. Um, it's only possible because you aren't fighting alone anymore. You, you can't win alone. You can't just magically find the strength. No. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Again, somehow this God loves us. He wants us. He, I, I don't know how, but He does. And the amazing promise is that if we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Knock, and the door will be opened. Seek, and you will find. Whoever asks, receives, in contrast with earlier in James. Um, if you want to fight the battle, come to the source of strength.
But now that we have submitted our lives, outer things need to change as well. So our, our way of life needs to change. And now imagine, if you will, an orphan who's living in the sewers. They're filthy. They're begging for scraps. They're barely surviving each day. And then one day this king comes out of nowhere and takes the orphan in and he adopts her and he marries her somehow and gives her a new home, a new life. How would you react if that orphan went back to the sewers, started rolling around in the muck, begging for scraps again, was dying of hunger, even though she, she had all she could eat back at the palace? You'd call her a fool. And you'd be right. That woman, that, that orphan has had a change of status. She is now the wife of the king. She's not living like it. She's living like nothing has changed. And so, we are called to cleanse our hands because we are indeed sinners. We have indeed messed up. There are practical steps that we can take and need to take to stop ourselves from opening the cupboard before we even get to the chocolate. There, are, there might be things that need to be cut out. There might be activities that I actually know I shouldn't be doing, but I somehow justify them to myself, but I, I actually know they're wrong. There might be um, relationships that are just becoming far too important, taking way too much time and leaving none for God, whether they are children, parents, friends. If anything is competing for time with God, it needs to be put back into its place. And there may be things that need to be cut out or toned down to cleanse our hands, to change our actions. Not only that, whoop, it's already highlighted. <laughs> um, purify your hearts, you double-minded. And double-minded is such an interesting phrase because a more familiar one might be hypocrisy. One who is pretending one thing to serve God, but is actually serving themselves. One who wants to serve God and please God, but is still entertaining these thoughts of, oh, I know this is wrong, but it'll be nice, and it's not that bad. I'm not as bad as that guy, you know. Um, it'll be fine. I'm still in control. But what's the command? And this is, in fact, a command. Make no mistake. Purify your hearts. There's room for one God. Make your choice. And so we are told, humble yourselves before the Lord. And James tells us what that looks like. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Why? Because you see how far you have fallen. The orphan, from the early example, needs to come to her senses, smell the filth, and be like, Eesh. I've made a mistake. I've messed up. Not only that, but she needs to go back to the king. Not as a triumphant conqueror, but as a repentant sinner. Humbling yourself 
involves seeing how broken and small you are without God. Seeing how much you've messed up and how you don't deserve His grace. This great King who made the universe, who made me, I don't deserve to be His beloved. But yet I still am. I did not highlight it. And He will exalt you. It's when you sit at God's feet and you realize, I don't deserve grace. That's when you see how much you have already been exalted and how much you will be and how much He's exalting you now. Because you were also an orphan, just as I was. You were also a rebel. You deserved wrath. And yet, God washed you clean. He promised you an eternal inheritance. This life isn't the only life we will live. Eternity is coming. And there it will be perfect. No more pain. No more struggling. No more suckling to just get through the week. No more wondering how your finances are going to last another year. No more wondering how on earth I'm just going to survive today. Perfection. Seeing God face to face. Talking to Him. Delighting in Him. Walking with Him. How amazing that will be. And that's where our hope lies. We will experience full joy with Him. We will be exalted beyond our wildest dreams. And so, coming to God in humility involves both of these things. It involves seeing how broken you are without God, but it also involves seeing how amazingly God has treated you and being in absolute awe of how good and how amazing this God is. And so, I want to invite you into this marveling, into this awe at what God has done. To the non-Christians here, to those who are just here because oh, they thought it would be interesting, came to check it out. I want to invite you to step into a relationship with the King of Kings because it's not enough to know that God is the God. Is He your God? But to the Christians, it's not just an invitation. Once again, it's a command. It's a command to come before the Lord of hosts, the Ancient of Days, and to submit your lives to Him. To repent of the areas where you have not had God as your King. But then to also come and see the brokenness in you and see how much God has exalted you far above your station. And with that, to recenter your life on the true center of the universe. To give yourself, your life, and your all to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, what, what a good God you are. How incredibly gracious you are to us. And so as you challenge us in James and you command us in James that things cannot remain the same. It's not enough to just be stuck in a rut trying to do better on our own. God, there's strength available. There's, there's a way to, to fight the battle 
if we will but come to you. So thank you that it doesn't require complex rituals or higher grade education. Anyone can come and submit themselves to you and humble themselves at your feet and walk with the God who made the universe, who is the King of kings, the Lord of all. We thank you for your goodness. Amen. I hope you were blessed in hearing God's word today. For more information or prayer, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you find your life in Jesus Christ and Him alone.